What's up, friends? What's going on? And welcome to another Mayor K. Nope, that's not what we call it. It's the Great Day Podcast, and I'm your host and friend, Mayor K. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. If you haven't yet, don't forget to subscribe. We are on all the channels where podcasts can be found. Give it a like if you like it, share it with your friends. And so, today's guest I'm super excited to have. We've worked on a few video projects over these past few years, uh, each one topping the next. Most, re- most recently, we did a music video that is the most viewed Jewish music video ever, 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 or it's on the way to become it. Ivri Anachi, so much fun working with this man. He's so talented. It's the world-famous Benny Freeman, if you haven't guessed it. That's right, and he's here with us today. He's fun. He's down-to-earth. He's a great performer and a singer, and I always walk away from our conversations a bit more wiser. Like, really, he's super smart. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my podcast with Benny Freeman. Here we are in the VM Art Gallery in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, New York. Across from me sitting is my good friend, Benny Freeman. Benzien Hakoyen Freeman. Hey. Ah, from the from the only people on planet Earth who know my name, everyone's like, "Oh, the Benjamin." Benjamin. Everyone assumes, yeah. Wait, who are you named after? What's where's Benjamin? Oh, I don't even know. My <laughs> my no my my father's great grandfather. It's my grandfather's grandfather. Benjamin. Yeah, yeah. I'm grand- number eleven in my family, so I think my parents were running out of uh, names. Sorry, grasping. Who can we? Uh, yeah, you're number and you're the youngest. I'm not the youngest. Okay. No, I'm from a family of fourteen. Whoa. I know how to. 14 <laughs> that's insane yeah, it's a, it's I mean nice... quite common within the ultra orthodox Jewish community yeah. um, but for the, and all from the same two parents right oh yeah I just want to clarify and no, and no twins and no set of twins right you realize the twins that's cheating right no twins one at a time 14 insane wow incredible and has music been part of like when you grew up that was part of your household or you were an anomaly or you uh, some... no no music was definitely part of it first of all I have a famous uncle Avram Freed Right, so it was very always, no, you know. We'll talk about uh, yeah, he would, you know, come out with a new CD, and it was like Simcha in the house. It was a very, <laughs> very big event, and whatever we, yeah, music always in the house. We sang, you know, it was big, big part of uh, my childhood. Even though we lived in Minnesota, far, far away, and we had to wait weeks and weeks till the music would arrive. Oof, very exciting times. I remember that. So Avram Fried had you would say your uncle Avram Fried, Avram Friedman. He um, had a big influence on you, on you as a child, and huge, yeah, huge. Um, hard to uh, describe, you know, the uh, what kind of an influence try it was. Describe, try, try to describe. Try to describe. Let's try. To describe. I mean, he is a huge, huge influence on my life. I mean, look, I modeled my whole uh, life after after his. Like, you dafka not do free because of of that. Um, I didn't dafka not do free. I kind of just started, you know, singing. And then it just, I mean, at some point it was just too late. It, it never even, there's no like, opportunity to change my name to Freed. Yeah, because it, it's quite common in the Jewish world that everybody, even myself included, right? Mayor K, Kalmutzin, right. you, know, you know, everybody has, takes their last name, takes the first letter, and right. runs with that, right. the stage name. I remember that. Like, it was interesting that you did that because you were quite popular yeah. with my, Mayor Kalmutzin. Sure. And then... Suddenly, it was like no rebrand. <laughs> it was a big rebranding. Yeah, I actually started. I mean, so if we go way back, I started with AMK Productions, right. and I felt that was just too corporate. Moved it to Mayor Kalmanson, and then Mayor K for the only reason that it rhymed with "Have a Great Day." Um, and I had to get my parents' yeah. permission because I felt I felt guilty as well because we know we learned you learned in Torah that you know when the Jews were in Messiah, they didn't change their name, their clothing. So here I was in the modern twenty first century, going on changing my name for what reason? Um, but I got the blessings. My grandfather was fine with it. Um, so. Just going back to it, um, when you were and answer honestly, please, I'd love to know when you were moving into this that direction. Co- honesty, co- honesty costs extra. <laughs> I do honesty. We're going in. Well, we're going to ask the tough questions yeah. here. You know, have this uncle Avram Friedi paved. He's a he's a pioneer in Jewish music. Um, what was that like? Did he? I mean, besides, did he give you any advice and such? But was there a certain uh, internal battle that you had to go through um, to say, like, determine your, to tell yourself, like, I'm not going to be like Avram. I'm going to do this my own way. I'm going to do something different. Oh yeah, for sure. First of all, he told me, "Don't do it." <laughs> yeah, he said it's very difficult. It's very what difficult. You have to be challenges? prepared for it. I mean, you just you're never home. 
right? Yeah, I mean, if you're successful, right? If you're not successful, then you're just depressed and nobody wants you in the house. If you are successful, then you're just never home. You're never home for homework, you're never home for supper time, you're never home for bedtime, and it's, and it's very difficult. It's not easy. So it's a big price to pay. So he said, don't do it. That's my first advice. Ooh. First advice, don't do it. Don't do it. Second, if you have already decided to do it, so then we can talk. But first decide that you want to do it, and then let's talk. So I told, you know, it took a few days, and I said, yeah, let's do it. How old were you then? I was probably 21 or 22. So he gave me some, some good advice, and also he gave me some, some good connections. He made some phone calls. Mm. Like he used, you know, he threw a little bit of his weight around. Great. Which is very nice. So um, you, you weren't determined to do this, like, quote, unquote, people, some people go into business or new ventures, like, I don't want anybody's help. I don't want to work for my brother-in-law who's very successful. Right. You're like, nah, yada, help me out. You know, people say, I hope you don't mind that I say this, but you, you sound like your uncle. I go, don't mind if you say it. <laughs> what are you, are you crazy? It's the biggest compliment. Sound like my uncle is the greatest Jewish singer that ever lived. You heard it here. I, I mean, look, if I was nephew of some other singers... He told me I sounded like him. I'll be like, oh, you know. Right, for sure. If it's Avram Freed. But Avram Freed, you know, that's perfectly fine. But I will tell you that, like we said earlier, I grew up listening to him and, and copying him and mimicking him every move and every knach and every tenua. So when I started singing seriously, I stopped listening to his music probably for two years because oh, wow. I realized when I, sing, when I listen to him, I sing like him. Mm. So I was trying very hard to like undo some of that, to, to to figure out my own sound or style or whatever. Um, and then after two years, after you know, I came back to listening to his music. It was like, ah man, that's it, schmack. And he's someone who's really dedicated so much to his craft. I mean, you have singers okay. out there who go out and they just show up and they sing. He goes to uh, voice lesson and still goes till today. I, I hear. Just to continue yeah. maintaining and growing in new ways. If you hear his first album to like his more recent albums, the range yeah. and the clarity is unparalleled. The 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 voice he yeah. built he built a voice and his voice gets stronger and stronger. Can I know But there's no question about it. He takes it very seriously and he he's, he's a hard worker, and uh, and he's a pro. And you you watch him and you you see it. Yeah, you see some people yeah. take it very casual. Sure. You know, I'm in seeing, and some people and I don't think anybody works harder than he does. So um, I have a lot to learn from him. I haven't learned that particular lesson, but uh, it's 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 well, coming you, down the pipe eventually. And you I mean and you come from well you, you I mean you I mean you have trained with some of the best Seth Riggs I believe absolutely I mean he's he's a, a top voice coach who does absolutely. Madonna and Michael Jackson and and why not and even more so Benny Freeman and, and now he can add so that name to the list. Wow! So how was that experience working with such a professional? The problem is first of all it was great. It was super. I, I studied with him for also like two years, maybe a little bit more. It was fantastic. Um, the problem is that since I haven't stopped uh, studying, he's in Los Angeles. I live here in New York, and we kind of so I can't find another voice teacher, right? Because I I go into to you know to sit with somebody. I'm like, but he's not Seth Riggs, ah. right? I mean, Seth Riggs. You just went in and you like totally relaxed, and like I put my voice in your hands. Like I, you know, you can. I was totally, I total trust. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. And you go into a, like a new, a young guy, do this. And you're like, you know what I mean? You know, because it's, you don't want to, a, a, voice, a voice coach can really, either he can help you incredibly or he can really mess you up. I keep knocking into this microphone. <laughs> but, uh, so that's a problem. From go, that's a, the problem with going to the best is that you have to replace him eventually and it's a problem. But Seth Riggs changed my voice completely. And uh, pretty amazing and pretty gishmak. Amazing. I mean, and you also come from an incredible, talented family. I mean, within this Jewish world of music, I mean, there's you, of course. You have your uncle. We talked about Avram Fried. And then there's Eighth Day. There's Ellie Marcus. There is in the production. You have Chaim Marcus, the brothers of the Marcuses. You have their sister Nachama, who's an incredible, talented producer and and visual artist. Incredible. And I may I be missing some cousins that I Simcha Friedman in, in Israel. Simcha Friedman. Oh, oh Simcha's a cousin, yeah, of course. He was here. Um, so and of course, there's no there's no question about your father, Rabbi um, Manus Freeman, as well, a pro prolific author and uh, world renowned speaker. So, 
where does this gene come from? Where does this Freeman gene, like, where, who's well, <laughs> of this is amazing? If you ask my grandmother, it comes from her. <laughs> ah, right. My grandmother, Allah, she would always say, the talent comes from my side of the family. But the truth is, actually, the story goes, my grandmother was home when she was, before she got married, and her father came in, came home from shul one day and said, today in shul I heard a balkaira, such a wonderful balkaira, beautiful, mamish, so beautiful, I think we should make a shidduch. That's how the <laughs> That's story a, went. Yeah. Wow. So apparently my grandfather was also quite talented. So it started from, from generations, then they passed it on from generation to generation. That's insane. So we brought up your father, and I want to just quickly, quickly or not quickly, go just delve down that rabbit hole for a second. Amazing man. I've heard him. I remember hearing him for the first time when I was in yeshiva in Pittsburgh. Uh, wow, I was 15, now I'm not 29. So do the math, right? And uh, I was floored. You know, I was floored. I, I'd never actually seen or sat, sat in, a, in a public... Uh, I never sat in like a really discussion. I mean, I was in school and my teacher spoke, but no one professional would get up and spoke the way he did. And I was really amazed by the depth of his knowledge and the way he brought, and brought it down to... You know, the level in which we're all, I was able to understand. Um, don't ask me what exactly you talked about now. Um, but he, an amazing man, and of course, an author, like, uh, he talks about uh, Don't Why Don't We Blush Anymore or uh, The Secret to Intimacy. The uh, Joy of Intimacy. The Joy, the Secret. No Secret. The Joy of Intimacy. A man who's quite uh, familiar with, um, with, the, with the worlds of, of relationships. So, how was he? As a father, and of course, as you know, and with the reputation that he has, while you were dating, did he have a massive? Uh, did he get involved with that? Um, he only got involved when I would ask him to. Uh, it's definitely a, a huge, huge bracha, a huge blessing to have access to somebody like that. Um, I agree with you. I think he's uh, quite insightful, very intelligent, and uh, Hasidus. He's got a mastery on Hasidus. He understands it. And he can explain it, sure. right? You have people who can understand it, but they can't explain it. You have people who can explain it, but they can't understand it, which is also a problem yeah. that exists. <laughs> but but um, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's the it's the greatest blessing, for sure. Even having him at the Shabbos table, you invite him. You know, it, you could sit for hours and hours, and it's 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 also gishmak, also educational, right? You you come out of a a two-hour, three-hour Shabbos meal, and you're like, you have a lot to think about. It's Baruch Hashem. It's a fantastic bracha. Is there something, um, such a wise man being around him all your life, is there something that sticks out, a lesson, a story that he shared with you that has stayed with you for all these years? Um, I would have to think about going back all these years, but, I mean, just this Shabbos, we had my parents over uh, Shabbos for the meal, and we just started discussing this idea of a Hasidic superstar. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. Which is which is sort of the greatest. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. because Hasidus, the whole avoid of Hasidus is to nullify yourself and 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 not you know and, and stay humble, stay, stay grounded. Hum- yeah. to who am I? Be a servant, sure. not be a. And then you have this concept of a Hasidic superstar. So first of all, the first thing my father said was, "You're right. It doesn't make sense. It shouldn't exist." <laughs> okay. And then. The, uh, you know, it was like uh, an hour-long conversation just trying to pick it apart. Like this idea that the Rebbe was the, the single most famous uh, rabbi of the, 20, of the 21st, 20th century. And the Rebbe never turned into a celebrity. The Rebbe never dressed in fancy new clothes. The Rebbe never drove a fancy new car. The Rebbe never looked for, uh, you know, any kind of any kind of celebrity, you right? Away from it was, it was, but the once it once spoke about it. People come to shul to daven and they spend the whole time looking at me. He didn't say me, but he said they spend all the time looking at a at a human being instead of focusing on Hashem. Mm. It bothered the Rebbe. The Rebbe tried very hard not to become to be a in the line, to be in the spotlight. However, not to absorb that light, right? Just right. to project it to right. give it out. Exactly. In other words, the Rebbe did everything he needed to do. Right? The Rebbe took his job very seriously. Sure. And, and it meant being the leader of a huge movement and creating a huge revolution and all that good stuff. But personally, it never, it never, like they like to say in Belaz, it never got to his head. Mm. 
It's the, the job. You know, you, you take the job seriously. You don't take yourself seriously, which is huge. Classic. Huge, huge. Do you think the Rebbe would have stopped for selfies today? Probably not. Probably not. You think he would have uh, Probably approached? not. I think the Rebbe would not settle for, for an interaction that is so mm. unproductive. Correct. Yeah, I agree with that. Right? The Rebbe spent hours and hours giving out dollars. Sure. Give you a dollar to give to Tzedakah. Right? I'm meeting you. It should help a third person. I'm meeting you. I'm making you a shliach to do something good. I'm meeting you. And we're taking a picture that you will never, ever look at ever again in your life. There's no reason for that. There's no excuse to to stop for those two seconds when you could be using those two seconds for something productive. As we know, the Rebbe used every every moment, every second for for positivity and for, for productivity. So I hear wow. So in that in that in that kind of story, that's um, do you view yourself as as a Jewish superstar? What what does that where, what does that look like? Interesting that you ask. <laughs> um, it's interesting. I do. I'll, I think about it a lot. Sure. Because because Taki, it's a it's a it's oxymoronical, right? You you wake up in the morning and you learn Hasidus and you talk about. Bittel and and serving Hashem and all that, and then, you know, you you have your head you know bent over the book and someone's like, excuse me, can I take a photo for my son? You know, it's like, it's it's it pulls it's, you out of this yeah. world. But, I think, that in today's generation, they have made it clear, that, you have to do, what you are called upon to do, and you have to, a not let it get to your head, and b not let the fact that it might get to your head stop you from doing what you have to do. The Rebbe did not allow people to stop working because they felt it wasn't you know, good for their spiritual growth. You put your spiritual growth on the side and you dedicate your life to other people. And I think that because the Rebbe demanded it, the Rebbe also, obviously we also have the ability to do it mm-hmm. in the, within the context of a Hasidic lifestyle. So you look at somebody like Avram Fried who Great is example. the greatest Jewish superstar in, 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 in our business. And you see him walk down the street and you see him interact with people and he's super humble and super personable. And, and again, he takes his job extremely seriously. When he's on that stage, he will bring the house down. Fire. Total fire. And when he's off the stage, he's got his chitas, he's got his rambam, he's got his minion. He is, a, a, you know, yeah. A, 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 a in today's generation and a in today's generation means you do what you have to do and you don't worry about you know being too humble mm. so what moment in your life did you realize oh, I mean it can be from a very young age that this was your calling that music you wanted to connect with people and wanted to make this your life I know as you said at 21 you, you or 20 you mentioned you brought up to Avon Free but before then like, was there a time where you're like wow I gotta do this. I gotta do this for my life, for the rest of my life. I don't know when it was exactly. It was it was early on. I mean, I always loved music. I love singing. I love singing. You know, it's a weird thing, but I love to sing. Mm. <laughs> it's like a. Why do you think that's weird? No, it's like a weird thing. You just want to make noise out of your throat. <laughs> ah, I love it. It's a weird thing, but it doesn't matter. I mean, people love weird things. You're a weird uh, guy. I'm baby. a weird guy. That's weird it's guy. okay. That's okay. Um, I always loved it and because I think because I had an uncle Avram Freed so the idea of making a living in singing existed in my world so I, I don't know when exactly I wanted to do it but I wanted to do it very early mm-hmm. um, I wasn't sure I would be successful which is very scary you know like I'm, I'm putting all my all, you know all, going all in on something and you don't know that's how everybody that's a risk that everybody takes what kind of risks were there what kind of challenges were there in the beginning that you felt like this is heavy stuff I'm committing to this um, first of all financially it's a big financial investment that obviously you know, like any any investment there's no guarantees and second of all uh, life right when you, you you're going out to meet somebody you know potential wife yeah. and you're like this is what I want to do you know they have to understand either that you, you know you're serious about it and I'm committed to being successful and it's going to be hard and it's going to be this or like they have to also be willing to be married to somebody who tried 
spectacularly and failed spectacularly. You know what I mean? Right. So it's it's just a funny thing to do, and it's extremely public. Absolutely, right. You, you, put, out there. you put yourself out there, and everybody sees your success or your or your failure, whatever. So you know, I mean, that's that's part of the cheshbon that you have to take into consideration. Were there some women that you dated that once you shared them your vision, your dream, that they were like, oh, I don't want to date this guy? Um, they didn't tell me that, <laughs> but I'm sure it was part of it. Got it. I, I was very honest with everybody, right? That was definitely one. It was a non-negotiable for you. This was something that you were going to do. This is it was something that I was definitely going to try. And um, I know people in, in, in my business who, who uh, didn't find out that they wanted to do this till after they were married, right? Mm. And, and, and now they're doing it and they're successful at it. And it's a very difficult lifestyle. And some people, you know, the wife is not on board. Or not on board. Is struggling with it. And it's very difficult. And, you know, sometimes they go, look, I didn't sign up for this. So, Baruch Hashem... I have a Aisha's Chayil, Lateres Baila. Oh. So, Taka, how do you how do you manage this work and life? I mean, how many work and life balance? How many shows are you doing a year? Oh, I don't know, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch. One fifty? Um, no, I mean, you're talking about shows in general, or are you talking about traveling out of town? Uh, let's start with shows. How many shows do you think you're? Let's say one fifty. I don't know. One hundred fifty shows. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and how how many? We say how many days out of the month you're away? Um. Out of a week, I'm probably not home three nights. Three nights a week. Incredible. Yeah. How many passport books have you gone through this, uh, this past year? I got, since I started, I yeah. got one new passport. And then the new passport that I have, I have added. I found oh, yeah. you can add pages. So I've added pages. Um, so you're traveling three times out of the week on average. So that's a lot. Not, not traveling. Shows. I'm away from home. In other words, I, I could be in Borough Park or Williams. It's just a drive away. Still, but you're mean home. bedtime and waking up right. and there's a whole schedule. Right, 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 so right. that leads me to the question of work-and-life balance. For someone like yourself, yeah. you knew this is one of something your uncle even told you, right? You're going to be out there, you're going to be traveling, you're missing a lot of these big events in one's family life. How do, you, how do you find balance in that? It's very difficult because, because they're both important, Right? Obviously, you work in order to support your family, right? It's not, uh, you can't sacrifice your family for your work. So if it's not working for your family, then you need to give up your job. Um, but you know, they're both important. Family is more important. Um, what I try to do is to be up in the morning, right? If I'll go to sleep late, wake up in the morning when the kids wake up, till they go to school, and then figure the rest out. Because I'm usually not home for supper time, bedtime, that kind of thing. And then when I'm out of town, I try to stay in touch on the phone with, you know, mm. uh, FaceTime or Skype and all that. Um, if your child told you that I want to, Papi, Tati, do I, I want to be a singer, I want to get into the business, would you be supportive knowing the lifestyle and the life that it, that it, it takes? My kids are, are little, right? So I really don't know what kind of grown-ups they are yet. Or what kind of grown-ups they will be yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it is difficult. I wouldn't say don't do it, um, because I, you know, I mean, because I did it. Sure. Um, but it is difficult, and you have to be. You have to be either you have to be prepared for it, and you have to have nerves of steel, or you have to be like me, like a little spaceo, and you know, it doesn't realize a lot of things that go happen around me. So that's fine. But but it, it is difficult. There's no question. But a lot of things are difficult, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say don't do it. I would just be sure. honest about the pros and the cons. Share, share your journey, share your story, right. and, and see and let them see for themselves, perhaps. Got it. So, in this world of of you know music and I mean Jewish music, and you've been around it for so so long, right? From your uncles and growing up in it, um, you're, you got a couple years on me, but still, how have you seen music, Jewish music, change from? You know, from the old timers, from the Chazanim of old, from uh, Mordechai Davis and the Abner Freeds, until where we find ourselves today, with yourself and with the other artists that we that we're, we're so blessed to have. So here's what I think. I think for a long time, Jewish music was fantastic, really fantastic. Was. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'm coming to a point. Okay, no, no, all right. I'm just Jewish putting dramatic, was, you know, yeah. pulse on that. Jewish music was fantastic. And this is also personal preference, personal opinion. Um, Jewish music was fantastic. Then, 
and it could be just you know my age or whatever. Jewish music kind of went through like a dark time, as far as quality and whatever. Not sadness, but just it was a dearth. A dearth means not enough. It was it was lacking. It was lacking in 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 quality, quality Jewish music, and then. Um, Probably ten years ago, maybe less. Just uh, when uh, Benny Freeman came. Just to about the when scene. I came out, a few years before <laughs> me. Just coincidentally. A few years before I came out, I came onto the scene. Jewish music kind of started picking up in, in, in terms of quality, in terms of production, in terms of, and got better and better and better. And today, quality-wise, Jewish music is at a very high level, I think. But. Um, the very high level and the and the success and the the hits, right? Today in Jewish music you have hits, yeah, big hits, big numbers. Every Anaychi, thirteen million. Thirteen million! Oh my gosh, who That's made a small that? Small plug. I, uh, <laughs> well, 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 we'll get to Every Anaychi. Well, we we got time for that in the show. Thirteen million. Like so, when that happens, suddenly everybody's chasing after something else. In the eighties, in the nineties, in the seventies. You would get into a, a studio and you would just make an album of, of Gishmaka music, just good songs, and have a good time. And, you know, songs had time to develop and people would spend time listening to them. And, you know, even a song that in today's, today's world would be, you would never take a second glance at it. Years ago, people would listen, give it a chance, and song, songs had a chance to develop and to and stick around. And you... You, you listen to albums, yeah. Was... You listen to albums that came out then, and you think, "Look at that song! That song was so gishmak." Try to find a song like that on an album today; it's impossible, because today everything's faster. Everything is, you know, you know, you have five seconds to catch somebody's attention. It's like we're chasing a whole different thing today. Could it be so as we well that there were less, also less artists back then? So there, there were just you know less options. So you, you would just hear the same album time and time again. Yeah. There were there were less I think, I mean I don't remember. I'm sure there was also a lot of people who were coming out with music that I never heard of. Sure. Uh, because I was small. Um, and uh, and yeah, there was no there was no internet, there was no YouTube. So if you if you didn't hear about them somehow, so there was no way for you to hear about them. Today you you know you scroll on the on Instagram and you get ads ads ads. This guy coming out with a new CD. This guy you're like who's that? You know hashtag Jewish music, mm-hmm. and you just get all the information. So there's a lot more information coming at you, that's for sure. And for that reason, people, when you're making albums, are it's like the music is a lot more, I want to say like the music is more aggressive. Like the music is much more, uh, you know, boom, 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 bombastic than just, let's just get in a room and make beautiful music. Mm. So from that side, we lost a little bit. But uh, all right, listen, I'm not complaining. Do you feel like perhaps that, in other words, like the business aspect or the marketing aspect of a song is starting to creep into the creative part of the creation of it? So For sure. Of just like, right, you mentioned For like, sure. there, it's like, okay, what will actually get those hits, will get someone to listen and like, yeah, turn it sure. into a science? Let's listen to a song. Oh, you know, I'm just picturing this song at a concert. It wouldn't really work because, blah, 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 you know, mm. like that's how you have to work today. You know, it's not... That's a beautiful song. Let's record that, you know, and put it out in the world for people to enjoy. No, it's like, what can that song do for me? So that leads me to ask you, how do you define Jewish music? I feel like back in the day, and the way I, I you know, would think of Jewish music is a lot of trumpets, orchestra, and that's what was considered Jewish music. Anything other than that, if it didn't have a trumpet in it, it wasn't Jewish music. It seems like, and you're, I feel like, one of the artists of today that are pushing those boundaries in certain areas, and... You know, I feel like there's a certain people are entering a new era, and um, so yeah. How would you define uh, what Jewish music is? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I, as far as I know, there's no concept of like Jewish music in halacha. Like you don't look in a shul and talk about what's Jewish music. Um, Jewish music is uh, is a is a, a personal thing. You know, you have to set your own boundaries. Um, Begadol, there is, uh, I mean, music is Jewish. Music is a Jewish thing. Joy, simcha, is a Jewish thing. Um, so if you 
if, if you think it's Jewish, then it's Jewish. If you think it's not Jewish, then it's not Jewish. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you think it's worth, you know, worth uh, listening to, worth spending your time on, so then if you think it's not, then it's not. I actually asked it of once. I said, what's, uh, what's the deal with non-Jewish music and Jewish music? Like, what, what's together? And he said to me, who has time for that? <laughs> I don't understand. I said this younger man. You have what to do from the moment you wake up till the moment you go to sleep. Yeah, you're busy. Who has time to listen to Alte Babas in, 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 you know, in, the, in the old home, you know, in the Alte Heim, and they would cook in the kitchen. They would listen to music. It's not, it's not us, sir, but uh, you've you got to spend your time with uh, important things. What are you, uh, an Alte Babitschke, you know, cleaning a chicken, listening to music? With a bigger beard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, maybe not. That's uh, what yeah. who had a, had a mustache. <laughs> yeah. So Jewish music, I actually heard, uh, I read somewhere, somebody's definition of Jewish music. Jewish music is music that is written by a Jew as a Jew. Hmm. Interesting, right? Interesting, interesting. In other words, not every song that, uh, that Paul Simon wrote is a Jewish song just because he's Jewish. But if he wrote a song, in other words, if the Jew in him mm, wrote source. a song... So like uh, Peter Yarrow wrote a song. He was part of Peter, Paul, and Mary. He wrote many songs. But he also wrote a song called Light One Candle, right? Don't let the light go. Light One Candle for the Maccabee children. He wrote that song as a Jew. No, so that's a Jewish song. Even though it was performed by Peter, Paul, and Mary. But that's a Jewish song. A Jewish song. And Yesh Leymar even... It's safe to say, I mean, of course, there'll be people in, in the Jewish community or the Orthodox community who wouldn't listen to that because... Absolutely. Right. And, and, so and you don't standard. have to listen to everything that's just because it's a Jewish song. You don't have to listen to everything. There are people who will not listen to most of Jewish music. They'll only listen to Hasidish music. They'll only mm. listen to songs. And that's fine. Music is meant to, to move you and to take you somewhere where you can't get without it. And if you feel that music is moving you in the wrong place, don't listen. I don't... Uh, you know what I mean? Adarab, everybody should have... You know, their rules and, and regulations and boundaries for themselves. Um, in fact, in Halacha, in Torah, there's an idea. There's a concept where you took the, uh, the red heifer, right? The, uh, a person was, if a person became un- impure. So they would take the uh, ashes of the red heifer. And the koyen would, would take it and sprinkle it on the guy. And the guy would become pure. But the koyen who did it, he would become impure. So there is a concept of It can purify those who are impure, but at the same time make impure those who are pure, right? So you can have the same song that for somebody it can mamish save his life, spiritually speaking, physically speaking, you know, and for the next guy, it can destroy him. Music is extremely powerful, but it can go both ways. The same song, one way for somebody and another way for somebody else. So every person has to be uh, their own judge. Or you have to have a mashpia, have somebody, you know. Absolutely. But it's a personal thing. Mm. There's no uh, red line, this is Jewish, this is not Jewish. Obviously, text-wise, lyric-wise, there's, you know, to it's, be against Allah. But music, I don't think. Uh, mm-hmm. So when it came down to some of your more recent songs, Yeshikva, Ivri Anarchi, were you a little apprehensive when it came to like it's a bit more beady, a bit more electronic, and um, you know people may, especially your saw become from a you know from the Chabad movement from you know, Hasidic, uh, Hasidic uh, Hasid. Do you think was there some hesitancy going to that world of electronic electronic music? Not really. No, not really. I mean, when I came in to to uh, to the business, electronic music was in. Yeah. Was in already. Yeah, yeah. Like I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't break the, <laughs> I didn't. Uh, you didn't pioneer it. Yeah, and I didn't, you know, I didn't break any rules. Um, and I believe, I believe strongly that if it's music that I like, then I will make it. If it's music that I don't like, you know, for example, personal preference, I don't like this heavy house electronic dance music. I just don't like it. Nothing wrong with it. People like it. It's not, it's not my preference. So I just stay away from it because it doesn't do anything for me. But there's plenty of people who love it. There's plenty of Jewish music that uses, you know, intense house dance music. Yeah, yeah. EDM. And, uh, you, Benny. Yeah, throwing... these uh, words like this. You're with the times. Well, oh, wow, uh, Benny. So, uh, and like, for example, heavy-duty hip-hop. 
rap music. I never heard it as heavy duty, but uh, heavy, heavy duty, heavy duty hip hop. No, like light hip hop and heavy duty hip hop. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't really know the the the, the nuance the distinction between the, them, but okay. But apparently, there's a difference. You do what feels it, right to I you. I do you know, not like, what feels right. Uh-huh. I, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. If it if it resonates within me, so then I, so so I if I can associate with that music, so I can associate with that music. I can make that music, music, music. There's no such thing as a, a style of music that is inherently unkosher. If it's for me, it's for me. If it's not for me, it's not for me. So what is what are you trying to portray? What do, what's your message that you're looking to spread through your music? I'm trying to spread the message of joy in serving Hashem, brotherly love, Avas Yisrael, and and to also that that we should realize how precious we are in His eyes, mm-hmm. and to try as much as possible, and even more than that, to live up to His expectations. Interesting. It's an interesting perspective. How how important that we are in his eyes. Yeah. What do you think people have struggled with that? Why do you think people have um, a difficult- people have a hard time accepting it because we we have kind of accepted a way of thinking about Hashem that is that is foreign, I think, to Yiddishkeit, where we think of Hashem as this far, far away man, this guy. Right. Even though we don't. Right, we're still in this guy, but Halik, but far removed, not emotionally invested in what's happening here on earth. You know, he's far too big to, to actually be affected by this. He's perfect, he doesn't need anything. This whole world that's created here is just uh, like a hobby or something like that that he did for some. Uh, it's hard to understand really the full when you think about it, and you think about it, and you think about it, you realize. That if he if he doesn't need it, then it really makes no sense the whole the whole enterprise. It doesn't make any sense, um, and we could talk about this for hours and hours right. and hours. I'm... But but it's very important, and it changes everything. It changes everything when you when you realize that that to to him, what happens here is extremely extremely negea. It affects him very very much, infinitely. Like everything he does. He's infinite because he's infinite. It affects him, however, isn't he the puppeteer? Isn't he the one in charge of the events that are taking place? And I mean, I mean to turn this into a whole psychological yeah, uh, yeah, discussion. Yeah. Um, don't worry, folks. You could like you know fast forward this for a little bit if yeah. you want to jump back to the music part. But just yeah, I mean, and now let's just want to hear your your opinion on that. But like puppeteer, he's he's curious to know what's going on. He's he's attached and he wants to know, and yet at the same time, he's in control of it all. Yeah, that's a very deep uh, philosophical question about how he could give us free choice and still, you know, know exactly the choices that we'll make and you know know the future and the past and the present all yeah. in one time. It's a good it's a good question. Yeah, and it's a uh, it's probably a long discussion, but but the fact is that he created a world, he put us here, and he told us what he needs from us to do and what he needs from us not to do, and when we do what he needs or God forbid don't do or do what he doesn't need or don't do what he needs and things like that those things really affect him and the 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 fact that he gave us the choice to either give him infinite joy or infinite sadness and pain I mean that's the purpose for creation he wanted a like a real a real live relationship a real live interaction with us where where the choice is ours to 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 you know, not to robots and not angels and not these things are important to him. Um, and uh, people have a hard time with it, but I, it's it when when you when you think about it long enough, and, and your, your your initial reaction is. But when you think about it long enough, wow, that's, that's everybody's reaction. reaction. We're going to slow that down in some motion. Everybody get a meme out of that. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has that initial reaction because yeah. it's so uncomfortable to think about like God needs something. But if you think about it more and you have somebody smart, not me, but somebody smart, explain it to you. Is it too loud? Yeah. Maish, can we keep it a bit low, down there? Yeah. Thanks. 
Is it coming through the audio? Yeah, the condensers. It has been. So if yeah, if it is, then it's shut it down for us. So like yeah. we yeah, we don't continue going. Well, I just wasn't even sure if it was the floor creaking. You guys can hear it too, or yeah, yeah, fairly. So is that all? Is that all? I mean, when you're hearing it, it was picking all that up. Awesome. Thanks. Um, yeah. So when you think about it, or if you think about it, and if you have somebody uh, smart explain it for you, you realize that it's not so terrible to think this way. And it changes everything. Suddenly mitzvahs are infinitely important. Suddenly your life is infinitely important. Suddenly your mission here is infinitely important. I mean, your, your fellow is infinitely Like, it really changes everything. Mm. It really, really changes everything. That's amazing. And when you put out that, your music and you, you're, you're spreading these messages, do you get responses back from the listeners? And if so, like, what are they saying? Definitely. Get great responses from the listeners. Um, Does it initiate? I mean, I'm sure you get a lot of comments like, oh, we love your music. We love this beat. We love the words. And, but do you ever, do people actually reach out and, and connect with the, the deeper message of what you're trying to put out there? And if so, does that like, open up a conversation? Does the, what, what, what takes place? You have every day people sending messages specifically for Ivri Anoichi. Mm, yeah. And Ivri Anoichi now. People say, I mean, just today, yesterday, I got two messages where people said, this song, it was extremely helpful in my journey back to my Yiddishkeit. Wow. Like real, real... That's uh, real life right that's there. That's real. That's yeah. real. Um, I, I, somebody actually thought, I, I always get these, after a while, the messages sound, sound, sound the same, like, yes, tikva really give me a lot of uh, hope and strength in the hard time. Which is also great. Which is, I mean, I'm not discounting it. So people are reaching out saying how Ivir Nelchi in particular has brought them back on the path of Judaism Yiddishkeit. That's incredible. I was at a restaurant, and somebody sent a bottle of wine to the table, and then after the meal he came over and he said, "I just want you to know that since your song Ivri Nelchi came out." I go with my uh, yarmulke to work. Whoa! Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Those are some of the perks of being a superstar. Oh, yeah. uh, a singer. Hasidic. Hasidic uh, artist like yourself. <laughs> oh, amazing. No one's sending me any bottles at restaurants. Yeah. yeah. Any, huh? Right. I'm just a bus driver, though, so, you know. Anywho. Great. Don't drink, so, don't drink and drive. That could be the reason. That's yeah. right. That's right. I mean, Ivry Anuchi now has, you said, 13 million views on YouTube. 13 million. Is this safe to say that that Ivri is the most viewed Jewish music video? I think I think besides for um, besides for the Maccabees uh, Hanukkah song, right? I yeah. flip my latkes yeah. in there sometimes. What's that? What's the, what I'm not that? sure where they're up to, but I think they have more. But also, they're a parody song. Uh, okay. So definitely, <laughs> is number one original original Jewish, Jewish song. Jewish. On, okay. on YouTube right now right now right now right now. people coming after it you know what I mean oh, yeah. people working I mean, hard oh, of course yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean right now Maccabees and oh, yeah, this yeah, yeah. all surpassing no doubt wow that's amazing do you feel like if you I mean Yeshifa was I would say and you can correct me if I'm wrong your, your big hit that sort of brought you to a new oh, level oh yeah for sure Yeah. when you were making that when you were releasing it did you have a feeling this is going to be as grand and as powerful as it did for your career not, not, not even a little bit no idea not even a little bit I said to my producers then, I said, look, I think this will work. You know, I mean, if this doesn't work, I don't know what will work. But uh, at that time, Yalili, my, my cousin's eighth day had a song called Yalili, right? And it was everywhere. It was really, uh, was it massive. was you massive, massive. You also changed the game working the music videos as well, yeah, right? Yeah. It, it was mad. So Yalili was all the rage. It was like a cultural phenomenon <laughs> in a Hasidic world. And I said to them in the studio, I said, look, I think this song will work. It's not going to be Yalili. Right, I can, uh, I can be a lily. <laughs> Let's not go crazy. Right, but uh, but it'll be good, I think. And it was crazy. It was a cultural phenomenon. Like they wrote about the song in Ami magazine or something like that. It wow, was like an op-ed, uh, 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 an editorial, amazing about this song, and it, like it became it became a thing all by itself. That definitely changed the whole game for me, for sure. Wow. And also, it made me. Hit uh, addicted to hits, ah, which so is that, a small problem. So that was some when you were mentioning that earlier. That was a little self awareness on your own end. So yeah. you're like, okay, this feels good. This is interesting. Yeah. It's also yeah. a f- it's a fix as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it has a and also like, uh, it's easier to make money. 
when you're successful. <laughs> so from you know when you're starting out, you're like, I'm gonna make music and I'm not gonna be a sellout. I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. And then suddenly you make a hit song and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm gonna focus on that because that, <laughs> that's better. You see, and, you, and you've tasted that. It's a problem. It's a but it's a good problem. It's a good problem to have, and that's is that something that you've had struggled coming around to, like being a person who's making money and uh, stepping into that power. Well, uh, not making so much money. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You know, like I live in Brooklyn. I don't have any savings. <laughs> but um, no, but you know what I mean. Like in the sense of like making a pernasa, making a living. That's you know as one of the top Jewish singers do your craft. Um, it's, it's a different dynamic from someone who's just a struggling artist. I think in any business, right, where you go in with a passion and then suddenly it becomes your source of income where you need to do this in order to make money, right? I started, I started working on my first album when I was single with no responsibilities and no expenses and no nothing. So, you know, artistically, I was very free. I'm going to try this, I'm going to try that. Today, I'm making music with a lot of responsibilities and a lot of financial uh, expenses and things like that, where suddenly it's like, what, like we said, what is it going to do for me? What's, what's the return on investment on this song? Because I can't just be spending money mm-hmm. without thinking about it. I need, so it cha- the game changes. And I think in, in any business, right, you go in with a passion and suddenly you need to be smart about it because you got to make money. So I think it happens to everybody. You see new guys coming into the business and they're going, I'm going to make an album, it's going to be different. And then they do it and then they're like, I'm going to make another album and it's going to try to make money. Uh-huh. You know, it's, hard, it's very hard because, listen, the world runs on money. That's, uh, mm-hmm. It is what it is. But, uh, so yeah, so Yesh Tukva was the first hit and I was like, this is better. Yeah, this is better than, than not having a hit. And then I told myself, Ishtikva is a one-off thing. It's not going to happen again. So I have to not think about it. I have to just try to make good music. If you like it, do it. And, and you know, try to make sure it's good. Don't get your hopes up. But you know, yeah. it's a nice runoff. Ishtikva okay. was lightning in a bottle, and it doesn't happen twice. Mm. Um, ah, interesting. What's that? The front room no one walks through. No one walks through. Yeah. You're a rock star. Thank you so much, Mitch. I really appreciate it. Sorry. Don't be sorry. You're good. Sorry. Right. Sounds good? Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much, guys. <clears throat> All right. Let's see, maybe just take it off. Yeah. So after Yeshtikva, said that was gonna a one-off thing. That's not going to happen again. <laughs> right? But so the next, the next album I had Todah. And I said to myself, look, Toda is not Yesh Tikva. Good, but no song is going to be Yesh Tikva, so that's fine. Went with it. And it wasn't Yesh Tikva. And then Popular, the next but not, as, yeah, not, it was, not, it was not a, the same caliber. I'm not complaining, yeah. but it wasn't. Toda, Toda. Even though I get a lot of regards from Toda, because of the, probably because of the balloons. The balloons was a nice <laughs> aspect. And I remember it was a freezing, windy day when we filmed that music video. And we had you hide in a little box outside of Jerusalem. You were you were so much fun to work with on music videos. I mean, I gotta say, like we've had I've had the, you know, the opportunity to work with you in a few music videos and also some like just fun carpool karaoke type videos. People come over to me all the time, um, always sharing how they love the beard scene. How right. we went to that uh, barber and they shampooed our beard and they yes. put the nice little uh, kind of conditioner inside. My beard never felt the same way since. Yeah, um, and it was uh, it, it's just always a fun time with you. You have a great sense of humor. You're fun. You're with it, and um, and you're also one of the few artists that I've worked with that don't mind to like get into costume. They don't mind like being wacky and fun and tap into your weirdness that you are. No, you're, you're, you're tap dancing. Tap dancing more recently, right? The Bigel Column, an incredible organization out of out of Lakewood, New Jersey. Yeah, um, yeah tap dancing. It was a, a new skill set. That morning you showed up, we had the choreographers there, boom, you learned it. You took yeah. some time. You're not afraid to try new things. Yeah. I love it. And in that, in that music video alone, there was like three, four different costume changes, and you're and you're you're a game for all of it. So that's really cool. Um, just yeah, I don't know where. Well, first I appreciate that. I mean, I wish you would tell me more about all the great. Yeah, I mean, and with and so with go bring it back with Toda. So Toda was freezing. You know, I bring this massive box. It must have been five feet by four feet, and you there you are hiding, getting yourself into this box, closing it up. The kids came over, they opened it up, the blues came out. A lot of fun, a lot of fun to play with. Yeah, 
So that, that is, it goes back to the idea of, of not taking yourself seriously, yeah. but taking your job or your or your avoida, whatever, in whatever aspect it is. Um, and then Ivri Anoichi also recorded a full album. No yesh Filled the world with filled the world with light. Love, love, love that title. Yeah, of course. Be the lamplighter. Fill the world with light. In, in the Gemara, it says the a phrase, "We are day laborers." We are we work we labor during the day, and the Rebbe says, "We are day laborers." Means we are we we work to add light. We are we are soldiers of light. That's our job. So we stay away from anything that's negative. Stay away from anything that can that can push somebody away from his Yiddishkeit, and we only focus on positive and adding light. So that was the idea there. Yeah. Um, and then we were winding down, getting ready to finish this this album, and uh, Ari Goldweg sent me a song. Tell me what you think about this song. Oh, so if he wasn't even a part of this album, I'm not yet. even a part of the album. And Ari is someone that you've worked with in the past, of Ari course. Ari is a so- singer songwriter himself. Yeah, yeah. And he wrote for me Yesh Tikva. And he wrote a few other songs, Shalom Aleichem, and all And then he sent me this song. Oh boy! I called my producer. I said I got some bad news. <laughs> I have to add a song. Oh, it's like too good to pass up. And that's something that he approached you when it comes to songs. And we'll get back to the story of Ivernechi. When it comes to that creative process, for a second, what does that look like? Are you writing songs, the music, or, or how does that industry look? When are people approaching you at this point? Um, it's it works in every way. Every mm-hmm. song is different. Sometimes a composer will sit by himself, compose a song, you know, make a quick demo, and send it over and ask you how you like it. Sometimes you, you know, I'll go to a composer and tell him, you know, I'm looking for this kind of a song, this kind of a topic, these lyrics or whatever. Every song evolves differently. Um, Yeshtikva, for example, we called Ari and asked him for a upbeat Hebrew language song about hope and whatever it was. Ivri mm-hmm. Anoichi, he sent it to me out of the blue. And when I heard the chorus, it wasn't the English lyrics or anything like that, but when I heard the chorus, I thought, oh my goodness, this can be a, a, a Jewish pride anthem. Yeah, he just knew it. I said, this is the song that I've been looking for. Ivri Anoichi. Yeah. So we worked on it, we got lyrics, we added a, a bridge, we added whatever, like a pre-chorus. Mm-hmm. And uh, as it developed music, we got some. We got uh, Jan Freider and Daniel Kapler to work on the music. And as I'm hearing the music, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, this is not just an add-on song. This song is going to be track number one. Yeah. And we're going to not do a video for, uh, for Kulam Sharim. We're going to do a video for this song. Like, yeah. it was, all, suddenly everything changed. And again, not getting too excited because, you know, Yeshtikva is behind me. Yeshtikva is a one You guys one-off. seemed very, when you and Sroli Meyer um, came and we met for coffee for Ivanechi, you guys seemed very contained. You seemed okay with that. Yeah. No, because, you held, because you it's not. Your, <laughs> you held your poker face quite well. Well, because, because you know, miracles don't happen twice. Yeah. Whatever the language is in Gemara. You can't expect miracles to happen every day. And then, and then it was another miracle. I mean, that if you're not, he blew up. So now I have another problem because I'm working on a new album <laughs> and I'm trying to stay contained and stay realistic. You know, miracles definitely don't happen three but times. Perhaps now, from the from life's experiences, perhaps not coming from a place of of containment, but rather of explosiveness. Keep those emotions high. Keep it out there. Yes, excited. I mean, and and it, obviously, when you put yourself out and you play that game, there's also the the risk of you know right. being you know hurt or maybe sad. But at the same time, it's the process which is all which is all about. So to yeah. open that lid and like you know what I have created two incredible hits, um, and you know let me let me enter this with uh, with an open mind, with an open heart, and for sure this could happen. I'm I'm very hopeful. Yeah. Yes, tikva. Yes. I'm very hopeful. I think I got some great songs, but I'm not expecting. Klaus, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of people, they say, you know, you're working on a new album? You get it a lot. You're working on a new album? Yeah. Uh, any good stuff? <laughs> no. The worst. No. I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that question because actually, no good stuff. In fact, I think I'm over good stuff. <laughs> Everybody's trying to put out good stuff. So I'm going to do something different. Yeah. I'm going to put out 
Not such good stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I'm trying to put out good stuff. Yeah, we'll see. Where's the direction? If you could share with us, where's the direction of this album uh, going? Where's, this album that's coming out, Bezerat Hashem, will be like an international kind of album. A lot of uh, original lyrics, Hebrew language, English, maybe a little Russian, who knows? Okay. <laughs> going exactly. back to the Shtetl days. Yes, yes, indeed. We'll see. Yeah, get, most of your songs are Hebrew, right? Yeah, Is that, most of the hits, yeah. Most of the hits are Hebrew. But you're saying there are there are many songs that you have that are English, and do you try to do you try to incorporate more English lyrics or? I do try. I don't know why I have an easier time getting Hebrew Hebrew lyrics written than English lyrics. I don't know maybe because I understand English better. Yeah. So if like a Hebrew language al- a song is like Shvach, I don't even know that it's Shvach. But if an English language song, the, you know, I know because that's my language. So I'm having a harder time with English than with Hebrew, but I'm. We'll have some English on the next album. What I find interesting, though, is that some the the American English speakers singers have pr- sometimes an easier easier time singing Hebrew lyrics in a Hebrew song than they have singing English lyrics in an English song. Yeah, you know, like the English when they sing English lyrics, it just sang, it, seems, it seems weird. Yeah, what it's, it boggles me. It's so yeah. interesting. Well, it, because we talk English, even when we're talking English, we're talking like yeshivish English. Yeah, right. So then yeah. when you want to sing, suddenly it's like. Uh, you're singing also yeshivish English, yeah. and you have to try to break away from that if you want it to sound like a song instead of like a drosha. Mm. So it is. It's it's a it's something you have to work on. Right. Some people are better at it than others. I'm not good at it. <laughs> you know where you stand. No, I'm not good at it. <laughs> I got it. Um, I'm. You're here sitting in front of me, and you know you you have you're wearing the black hat, the classic Lubavitcher black hat on your head, the three pincher, and. Um, Yet you're not wearing the, a jacket, you're wearing a sweater. You look very stylish. You got some cool shoes on. Oh, yeah. You got some colorful socks. <laughs> um, so I, I, it's, I feel like it really reflects who you are as a person in the sense that you, you, you walk this line of what you're, you're, you're a chassid, you're, you're from, you're orthodox, ultra orthodox Jew. Um, yet you don't, you don't come across a different energy that you're like in a box or in a bubble. And um, it's just, I mean, I'm curious to know like how that how you got to this place of this balance and also how do you maintain it to not, you know, get over and drawn over to either side. You're very relatable. I'm, I'm related to a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> 14 <laughs> siblings alone. Um, I, for, I am in a box, right? My father told me once, a long time ago, that when you say Shema Yisrael, right, you say Hashem Echod and you do the four corners and up and down, <coughs> pardon me, it's, it's walls, that you're that you are meant to be referring to that you're saying like, like this and and not not different so we I, we do live in a box we have boundaries that we will never cross mm. um, but within that box you know what I mean it's uh, all bets are off <laughs> within those those constraints sky's right the limit the sky is the limit so that's the vart. The vart is you have your boundaries, you have your red line that God forbid will never, never cross. But within those, those uh, you know, within those boundaries, there's a lot of freedom and there's a lot of room for for uh, creativity and for you know for for, for uh, it's, a, it's a whole it's a whole world. Mm. There's not uh, one cut and slice way for everybody to live. You know. Individual, uh, what do you call it, uh, expression, and all that good stuff within. So that's uh, the most important thing is to have, first of all, to have a mashpia, to have a rabbi who you ask or somebody who you look up to, you ask your questions to, so you don't do anything that later on you might you might right. regret. Make for yourself a, a make teacher. for yourself a teacher. I love the language they use. Make yourself a teacher in the sense that you choose who you want that teacher to be that mentor someone that you admire someone that lives a life that you could live up to and work towards and so it's not something that's imposed upon you but rather right. it comes from you self right. and you put that as a, as a beacon right yeah. it's very very important yeah. it's very important to have a rabbi that you have accepted upon yourself right to have like a, an authority that you turn to and whatever they say you mean you have, you have accepted upon yourself that whatever they say that's what you will no matter what they say, even, yeah. if, even yeah. if it's uncomfortable or something right. that perhaps is against your own way of thinking, right. 
I think also I remember I, I what I try to remind what I remind myself in those moments where I'm like oh I don't want to do something like that. I also bring myself back to the point of like when it's my it's because it's my old self right trying to right. hold me back. Like wait a second, I put my this this person this leader this mentor in, in charge of me. So when it comes to these moments, because my old way of thinking has got me in trouble, it didn't allow me to grow. So this is perhaps I put myself aside and let me let me right. follow the, what what he thinks is best. Right. So I think it's important to have a mashpia uh, a rabbi that you will listen to in any event, right? Somebody who's objective, not uh, partial to your own emotions and all that good stuff. And it's important to have your own boundaries, to know, you know, this is my line that I'll never cross. And also, I think it's important for me personally to really want to be a part of something. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm crazy about the Rebbe. And I'm, I really want to be part of his, of his revolution, you know, and I, I want to, to tap into his worldview, and and do, for him what he expects me to do. You know what I mean? I want to be yeah. part of that. Yeah. Even just for selfish reasons, it's so awesome. So uh, these things, these three things, I think, have your boundaries, have a mashpia, and and really want to be a part of something, something big, something good. Got that. Got that. What um, got it. So it, you know, in this day and age, it seems like there's a lot more access to creating your dreams. To especially in the Jewish world, there's a lot more push for people to find creative ways to express themselves: singing, art, dance, video. Um, so there's a lot of new faces coming up and trying to come up into this industry. Do you have any tips? Any um, things you want to share to those who are listening that may help them or give them some direction? Well, first of all, if you're coming in as a singer. You need to drink more water. Mm, Everybody got to drink water. You've been drinking yeah. all day. Everybody got to drink water. It ch- changes everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow, um, profound. Very profound. Yes, Thank you, Eddie. All yes, right, call it a day. Yes. Um, Bechlal, the, uh, the, the, the floodgates have opened, and everything is open. Everything is accessible, and the, the Ash boys are coming. But, you know, the, the Rebbe talks about it in the Mimer. There's an example in the Medrash where the king comes to town, right? And with the king come all the ministers and all the uh, uh, generals and whatever else, you know. So the story is that different people, in order to receive uh, whatever they're looking for, they approach different ministers and different uh, officers and different things. There was one intelligent person, says the Medrash, who said, I choose the king. Because everybody else changes. Everyone is, in, everyone is replaceable. The king doesn't change. So today we have Hashpois. I mean, people, Baruch Hashem, are making money. Is, you know, opportunity is on Ashir, uh, without, without limit. Melech Bolir, the, the king has come to town, and with him he has brought all of his ministers and all of his officers, and there's plenty of opportunity to receive a lot of Hashpois, a lot of... Uh, whatever it is you're looking for. But it takes a pikeach, somebody smart and somebody intelligent to say, I choose the king because the king is really the most important part. Everything else comes and goes. This, this is the focus. And I think if a person goes in, like you see, uh, with our Rome, like people like Avram Freedom, Mordechai Ben David, right? They didn't let all the noise distract them from, from the point. The point is the point. Everything else has to work for that main goal. You go in that way. Strong, strong. Strong, strong. All right, Benny. Listen, talk to me. Is any uh, you got your album coming out? Any other fun projects you're working on? I'm on a podcast with Mayor K hey. coming out soon. That's right. Um, and that's it. That's really the only important thing going on in my life right now. Beautiful. All right, <laughs> <laughs> All right but Benny. Thank you so much for being here. Incredible. Where can people find you if uh, on social media? Benny's Music. Strudel Benny's Music. At Benny's Music on Instagram. I mean, I'm everywhere, you know. Instagram, Facebook a little bit. You know. But it wasn't. Instagram is not a main thing. Yeah, Instagram. It's the most important. Instagram, yeah, YouTube channel. YouTube. YouTube. Facebook. Yeah. YouTube. Look it up. Benny's Music. Yeah. Cool. Benny's Music. Benny Friedman. Good stuff. Benny, thank you so much for filling this world with light, with your talent, and inspiring myself, and I know many people as well. So, Toda. Toda. Chaim. Chaim Bracha. We made it, we made it, we made it. 
For those who listened to the end, thank you so much for sticking out and listening. And a big, big thank you to our guest today, Benny Freeman, for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your journey, your insights. It's always so much fun having Benny around. For those who have heard of Benny, you know how great he is. And for those who haven't, check out his music. It's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. It's all over social media. Benny Freeman, Benny's Music on Instagram. Have a listen. Have a listen. Enjoy. I'll definitely keep you smiling and dancing throughout. Friends, thank you for being here. Don't hold back. I would love to hear from you. So go check us out on the podcast platforms. I love to hear feedback. Five stars, whatever stars I want to hear. I want to hear what you, who you'd like to see, who you want to hear. And when I, when I say see, I'm also saying we got this podcast videoed on our YouTube channel. So Mayor K on YouTube, check it out. Leave a comment, leave a like. And of course, if you feel like someone could benefit from these, uh, from these podcasts, uh, share it as well. Sharing is caring. So until next time, like I always say, stay positive, be happy. I'm Mayor K and have a great day.